The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me today. We're going to be talking today about the very popular Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. Now, this series is based on a novel which tells the fictional story of Hannah Baker, a teen who dies by suicide and leaves behind 13 cassette tapes to be read and passed along to 13 people who she feels have played a role in her decision to take her own life. Moving between past and present, the series depicts in graphic detail the broken connections, the isolation, sexual harassment, drinking, rape, generally the emotional pain of a group of high school teens. Now, the series has captured the attention of teens worldwide. It has also caught the attention of parents and mental health professionals who have mixed feelings about the graphic content. They wonder, is this an important show for children and teens? Is this a show that may actually have a negative impact? That's what we'll be speaking about. Our guests today are psychologists and experts, Dr. Deborah Sarani and Dr. Shane Owens. Dr. Deborah Sarani is a go-to expert on psychological issues. She has been a frequent guest on Get on Psych Up Live. She's the author of three award-winning books on depression, including Depression and Your Child. You can find her interviews on ABC News, CNN, The New York Times, Scientific American Mind, and many more. She's an adjunct professor at Adelphi University and a TEDx speaker. She also writes for Psychology Today and Esperanza Magazine. Dr. Shane Owens is a board-certified behavioral and cognitive psychologist who works with college students and emerging adults. He is an expert in behavioral risk management and suicide prevention. He contributes to U.S. News and World Report, Yellow Brick, and Shrink Tank. Dr. Deborah Sarani and Dr. Shane Owens, it is my pleasure to welcome you as colleagues and experts to Psych Up Live. Happy to be here, Sue. Oh, happy to have you back, Deb. And Thanks Shane, so much for having welcome. Me. Okay. Um, let's start with you, Debbie. I know you wrote a blog, a very interesting blog on the good, the bad, and the ugly about this series, but let's start with the question. It is apparently very important for young people, this show, or it would not have taken off in the way it has. What's important about it? What's made it so popular? Well, I think it has brought light to many of the experiences that some teenagers go through. And from many of the kids that I work with and seeing the reaction on social media, this show has tapped into an area that has yet to really expose the microaggressions and the difficulties that many teenagers go through on a day-to-day basis. And it also highlights issues like suicide and harm, uh, unlike never before. So I think that it's really just tapped into something that many young people want to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it seems like when you look at the um, surveys online, let's say Seventeen Magazine, there's quite a mix. Some young people and parents are saying, we finally spoke about suicide, or we actually talked about a parent who had been raped, or actually, as you say, topics that there's been no venue to really safely open them up, but when they've watched the series together, 
it's been an opportunity. Right. And I think that for many people, they'll have very different reactions to this. Uh, some teenagers say that it was a very difficult thing to experience, while others say, you know, this is my high school. Uh, I think the important thing, when uh, a, a piece of art or, or broadcast media captures the world, is that we try to find a balance between what it offers in a positive way, and then perhaps some of the vulnerabilities that we can help others who are more fragile be aware of before they take in this series. I think it's important, you know, that we look at all sides. Mm. Now, um, Shane, do you feel as many of the professionals and school personnel that there's great things to be concerned about with the series in terms of, as Debbie's suggesting, the graphic material or the message being sent. Is there a way that we can use this without re-traumatizing young people? I think there probably is. Deb made a very important point that the reactions to this series are going to be varied from one person to the next. We don't know how anybody's going to react to it. And that is difficult in our business, being able to tell somebody the exact right thing to do in response to these things. The important thing is that we keep the lines of communication open. And I think it's very important for anyone who's involved with teenagers or young adults or even younger kids that they watch the series. I really think that it's vital that they know exactly what goes on before they talk to their kids about it. Mm, you know, I, I couldn't agree more because then at least you're in the same place they are. It's a good example of being the available parent. One thing that Debbie mentioned, and you are too, is I don't think, I mean, we've all, we're all parents. I don't think we often realize the impact of the day-to-day microaggressions, the cyberbullying, the shaming, and there, as we see with the characters, there's such a sensitivity to the reaction, the embarrassment, someone sending or sexting their picture. Now, it was very interesting to me, and in terms of prevention, I wanted to ask you about this, Shane. You know, one person said, oh, this would never happen in my high school, immediately a screenshot would have gone to the principal and that would have shut it right down. I recently just heard of someone who was sending um, a girl's picture around the school. It wasn't necessarily an offensive one, but the very fact of doing that, suspended. So in terms of prevention, um, is it what the youngsters want? Do they want us to know this is very difficult for us and we want your hand in this? That's tough to say. I think most most kids want a balance between our involvement and our ignoring what's going on. It, it's important to remember that probably the best sensor for anybody is the parent. The parent knows their own child better than anybody else. And one of the things that, that I wrote about in my blog is the idea of the, the parents being somewhat not involved. And, and the series really gets to this. The series characterizes parents and, and school personnel as relatively uninvolved, I I think that that was one of the mistakes in the series because I don't believe all parents are. I think parents need to strike a balance and know their children very well and involve themselves. And whether the kid seems like he or she wants the parent involved or not, ask about these things. Get to know what Instagram is. Get to know what Snapchat is and how they're used and be able to talk to them on their terms about it. Even if the kid says, leave me alone about it, the kid knows that the parent is concerned or that the school person is concerned about their behavior. Mm, I love what you're saying. And we all know that when kids say, leave me alone, that really does not mean leave me alone. The, mm. It was striking in this series that we can't find the parents. Bryce's parents, we never see. We never see the mothers of Jesse. We never see the mother of Alex. We, I mean, so you do really wonder where are these people? And the parents that do step up, we have the court case and immediate quant- consequences when Clay has a problem or is late. So it, I agree with you. I think the depiction of the parents is a little bit sided on lack of availability. Deb, I know this is... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to agree with you and Shane. I I think that 
one of my issues of, of this particular series was was the lack of family intervention, parent intervention, even school intervention. Um, and I do think that vulnerable children who watch this can feel that when something is out of their control or something is very damaging to their sense of self, that the adults in their life aren't really there to help them. Um, so I, I agree. I think as parents, I was watching this saying, we are these parents. <laughs> but I understand right. that this is just one uh, vision of uh, what high school can be like. This is not what high school is like everywhere else. Right. Now, Deb, I know one of your concerns that you speak about is the way suicidal thinking and is depicted and the lack of any kind of mention of depression. I wonder if you could speak about that. Well, I, I had a, a really tough time not talking back to the television when I was watching this series. <laughs> right. Um, and there was no mention of mental illness, no mention of depression. Um, and the whole approach to me for this character was one that initially hit me as uh, an extremely dangerous way of communicating how suicide can unfold. There's a lot of messages here that if you're a healthy, grounded adult or child, you may say, boy, you know, this wasn't a great decision for Hannah. She had many other options. There were many other things that could be done. But for a vulnerable child, it could become gee, I could change the the life of a bully if I really let them know how badly they've hurt me or if I take my life, you know, I can have a certain kind of vindication like I gotcha or I'll show you. That is quite dangerous with people who suffer from mental illness and depression. Suicide is not something that you get to revisit once you're gone. And there's a lot of depiction in this series that doesn't really express the finality of suicide, in my opinion. And, and I could go on and on, but I know you have many more things to talk about. But those are just some of the things that hit me hard. Well, I have to agree, and it's the reason my family won't watch TV with me, is because I never <laughs> stop commenting. But I'm, in some way, the notion that these tapes are going to um, put these people in their place or send them a message. That's the Hollywood spin because we know when someone gets to the point of suicide, they are in so much psychic pain that they can barely think straight, which is the point of taking one's life, and there's no return. I think it was one of you right in your blog, the, the people who really suffer are not the bullies, they're the family. That will that are shattered forever by the loss of the loved one, so that the message that this actually is a viable or any kind of solution is an extremely frightening and dangerous one. the The other thing that I think is really of concern is the thought that someone and it's interesting. We the focus is on suicide, but having dealt with so many rape victims, there is very little likelihood that a young woman who has just been raped is going to come home and Mm. use her intellectual skills to set up the system of tapes. With rape victims, they have no words. They can't speak. They are so traumatized. Right. I I know that uh, I I try to look at depression and suicide as as, as an illness of the frontal lobe. And you don't have the goal direction, the judgment and foresight and stamina to put together 13 tapes, let alone, you know, leave a suicide note. Most individuals do not leave a suicide note when they die by suicide. So this really hit me again I'm, uh, as this is just an unrealistic experience for someone to see in the throes of a suicidal ideation or plan. It's just totally unrealistic. And, um, you know, I know that many people don't, don't understand depression, but this is just so misguided, in my opinion. Mm. 
Do you have something that you want to weigh in on this, um, Shane? It's interesting because one of the things that uh, I hear is that this is a this is a an inaccurate depiction of suicide and an inaccurate depiction of of what might lead a person to suicide, and I I think that we want to be careful in using inaccurate because I think that inaccurate can come across as invalidating to some people because there isn't an accurate depiction of suicide or an accurate depiction of response to rape or an accurate depiction of depression. There isn't an accurate depiction of any of these things. They're Mm -hmm. human experiences. And while this series is simplistic in the way that it approaches it, I'm I'm afraid to say the word inaccurate. Um, It's interesting because I was speaking with another psychologist about the way that that Hannah is portrayed and and this idea of putting these 13 tapes together. And I have difficulty knowing exactly how much time elapsed as she's making these tapes. And it's interesting that this person who is a suicide specialist said to me, there are a few cases in which I can imagine that somebody sits down and does this because they are resolved to it. They have made the determination that this is what they're going to do and this is how they're going to go. And I was quite taken aback by that because nobody wants to hear that someone can have that sort of resolution at the end, right. but there are cases in which it happens. Mm. So, it's, it's an important addition. The other thing that I think is actually very real in the build-up to this young woman's seeing no end to the unbearable pain she's in or the inescapable pain she's in, and we do think of that when we think of suicide, is that once she's headed on that track, and I think other people have suffered like this, everything is seen through the glass darkly. She blames herself for losing the bank book. She blames herself for, for going to the party. She blames everything that could possibly happen gets seen as another bit of evidence that she is not okay. That is very real to depression, and it's very real to the desperate feeling that I'll ne- it'll never change. I'll never change my re- my reputation. That is what's true and dangerous. Right. right. It's interesting um, that you bring that up. I'm, I'm sorry. It, no, the, no, go ahead, Shane. The, that is a good de- depiction of depression. The problem is that there's never an adult who says, hey, Hannah, it sounds like you're depressed. Right. If, that, if just that were in the series, that would go a long way toward making it more acceptable to people who deal with this every day. But the adults in it seem so checked out and so wrapped up in their own things that they just don't have that opportunity to do that. Yeah, we're going to have to take a break, but I think if we all agree, and, and it's been written in, in some of the talking points to use when you present this to a class, please do not use the counselors or the professionals as a example of what you're going to face if you walk into a counselor's office and say, nothing seems right anymore, because they're not going to necessarily be as checked out, as you say, Shane, as we (laughs) see in the series. And that is part of one of the frightening pieces of the series. We're going to come back and talk more. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. We have with us Dr. Sarani, who is the um, author of three award-winning books on depression, Dr. Shane Owens, an expert in behavioral risk management and suicide prevention. I want to put out right here for our listeners, please know and take down the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-TALK and the Teen Suicide Prevention Crisis text line is text the word hello in quotes to 741-741. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. What is your purpose? In the journey that we call life, our values are pre-programmed into us before we're born. During our lives, we pick up life's lessons and soul connections along the way. We explore this path on Soul Sessions with Solstice, featuring hosts Delana Davis and Rita McRae. Our program is designed to help you more confidently live from your heart and not just your head. 
Tune in live for Soul Sessions with Solstice every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Sarani and Dr. Owens, and we're looking at the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why, um, I, I know, I think, Dr. Uh, Owens, you talk about the fact some of the school people are saying, let's let's add 13 reasons why not um, to try to balance this a little. But, but Debbie, why don't you share your first association, because I did give the suicide hotline before we ended the last section. Well, I, you know, I again, I always try to find uh, positive things um, that are controversial. And when I was doing some research for um, this show and for writing about 13 Reasons Why, one of the things I came across was that there was a surge in um, mental health and suicide prevention hotlines around the world since this March release of the Netflix broadcast, which I believe can be seen as a very positive thing in that some people are either seeing certain behaviors that are concerning and they're reaching out for help, or perhaps loved ones are calling for those who they're concerned about. So, you know, we're talking about it here on the show. There's been hundreds of articles written about this. I mean, there's a reason that this is a hot topic, and we need to be at least happy about the fact that we're talking about mental illness, we're talking about depression, and we're talking about suicide prevention. So that's all mm-hmm. good in my, in my book. You know, one of the things I saw online that really caught my attention was young, one young person who said, I love the series, but I'm going because I think there's a lot of graphic, you know, um, shown in a very graphic way, some of the scenes, I'm going to give you a list of what episodes have the graphic material right. and where you can skip it in terms of time, etc. And I thought, you know, maybe one of the things that can come from this is to help young people know the warning signs, which we can talk about a little bit, so that they become real buddies in terms of helping each other. We see the attempt to help on Clay's part, but actually when we look at the characters, each of them seems to be depicting a certain amount of suffering that maybe really should be highlighted. And it's a kind of subliminal message that, I'm hoping comes through in a in a way that could be helpful. My one example is the young woman um, Jesse, who is raped by the friend of her boyfriend Justin, and Justin can't quite fight back with Bryce. Now we know that Justin has a history of not being able to fight off boyfriends, 
who have been offensive to his mother. His mother's a drug user. So we don't know if he's so re-traumatized. He can't stop Bryce, although he tries a little bit. But Jesse goes on after that rape scene to do a great deal of drinking. Everything seems like life is fun. And actually, it's a desperate attempt to keep the secret of how she's been violated. And in some ways, that kind of drinking and promiscuity, those really are signs that someone is suffering. In a way, trauma is outing itself. So if we knew that young people knew, hey, what has happened to Jesse? Are you okay? Do you want to go to Mrs. So-and-so? I trust her. That wouldn't be a bad thing. So right. I'm wondering what, whether you also see certain characters as portraying issues or representative of issues that we might highlight for the young people watching it. I'm glad that you brought up the other characters. One of the one of the beefs that I have with the way that the series is interpreted is they talk a lot about Hannah, but not about any of the other characters, who are quite complex in their own suffering and their own difficulties and and their own stories. Which I think is is the impetus for for seasons after the first season. Mm-hmm. The, the way that I watched the series, and I watched it through twice, the second time through, I was identifying places where somebody could have intervened in some way if they had been watching differently, almost almost from Hannah's point of view, from, from what she was seeing. And what I realized is that adolescents very frequently are so wrapped up in their own things that they can't really look out for anybody else. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an important point that they need to because they're probably the ones who know better than anybody else. A teen is much more likely to tell a friend about something than a parent or a, or a school person. So you mentioned drug and alcohol abuse is something that you look for. Not necessarily whether they're doing it at the same level that they always do, but whether or not there's an, an increase in either of those things or a change in those things. Mm-hmm. There, there are typical other warning signs talking about being depressed, talking about being sad, and of course the, the, the ones saying things that indicate that one wants to kill themselves, which Hannah never did any time in the series, as far as I can tell. So, right, yeah, it, it's I, true. I, I was going to say that the backdrop of all of the other characters signified to me um, the level of pain that each of those characters was mm. enduring. And like you guys, I watched it again a second time and tried to look at it now from a very different, other than clinical perspective. And what I saw were significant behavioral changes in these characters. Mm-hmm. And that's something that maybe we can educate teens about, that anytime there's a sudden shift or an intensity of a behavior of a friend or an acquaintance that is different, that that, that becomes the impetus to say, what is going on? What kind of pain or what kind of trauma is happening? Because all of these characters are damaged in so many ways. They're enduring, like you said, Shane, so much on their own. Um, mm. and, and the drama, that's what makes this compelling for a lot of the kids because they feel less alone to see others, you know, experiencing everyday issues and very serious experiences. Um, but I, I do believe that that's why it's also um, such such a, a hit here with um, with teenagers wanting to see this because it speaks to them on so many levels. I think relative to that, there almost is so much for them to focus on that it's, of course, extremely engaging. On the other hand, um, the message is one wants to teachers and discussions and parents and watching it to help sort it out. For instance, why is Sarah, who is gay, terrified of anyone knowing? She's been raised by two gay dads. She doesn't want them to know. There's so much shame there. We know, and I want to put out the Trevor Project, just Google that, is a hotline and a, and, and a, and a place where any, any teen um, in gay, lesbian, bi, transgender, etc., can go to get on a hotline and speak with other people who might be struggling. Um, we have people said they look at Alex at the very end and then think, well, this does the season end? I had to go back and check this out. I asked the folks watching it, did Alex commit suicide at the end? Everybody was a little hazy. And the question is, he's a very sensitive character. He loved Hannah. He's upset. Mm. But he's so bullied 
not only by his parent, his father, but by the tough guys, the jock right. guys. Right. Right. Um, mm. That at some point he sort of just kind of, you know, he sort of is resigned to it. But he's the one who talks up and says Bryce should go to jail if he, he raped her. But right. then at the end, and we know about this as signs of suicide, he cleans his room. Mm. Um, he see, he's the only one who's not going to have the opportunity to bear witness and give testimony because his father has got him out of that. Right. So somehow he's out of it. And that's another sign. It's not so dramatic, but sometimes the friend in, in school with you or the young pe- person, your own child, who seems to be disappearing, that's as much for us to see as a red flag as the kid who is drinking like crazy and we even saw Alex do the, the risk of the driving, the risky right. behavior. So, right. you know, if we if we have a chance to watch it with young people, we may have a chance to use these as points of information and that they can take in and feel more empowered about helping themselves and others. I agree. I agree. Now, Absolutely. The, from a... From another point of view, some people are saying that just as some young people said this would never happen in my school, and other people said, oh, this is typical, the jocks do that, they send around pictures, people are sexting, how much does school environment, I'm going to ask you this, Shane, in terms of your prevention and risk management, how much does school environment turn the volume up on dangerous daily microaggression? depression and abuse the school environment is probably everything it's where it's it's the nexus between kids and everybody else and when you're at home you're you're at home and, and your parents can limit your online usage and things like that but uh, we don't necessarily have the control in schools that we might like to or even that we probably we probably have the control that we should it the degree to which each school sees this is varied. It depends on the kind of community that it is in. It depends on the families that send their kids to those schools. School environment is incredibly important. And the most important thing is that schools set standards, not necessarily rules, not necessarily monitoring social media accounts or things like that, but just set standards for behavior. I, I was listening to a radio program this morning, and they were talking about the old broken windows policy that kept New York mm-hmm. City safe. And there might be something to that kind of thing in a school, just making sure that that people are treating each other civilly, that people are communicating well with one another, that people maintain connections. That sort of thing can go a long way toward preventing this kind of thing. Mm. It seems like in the school in, in 13 Reasons Why was, was very disconnected from itself. The thing that brought everybody together was Hannah's death. Until then, they were, they were completely devoid of any knowledge of what was going on with the kids in the school. So. Yes. I, I the, even found the name of the school uh, interesting. It was Liberty, Liberty High. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> Liberty well, High. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because in terms of what you're saying, you're both saying is um, even the teachers seem unaware of messages being sent, um, right. pictures, phones are going off. Um, but it's so interesting. At one point, one of the characters said, the popular kids are always mean. That's how they get popular. Mm. I I don't know that that would be voiced in every school. But if that's voiced in that school, there's something about that environment that is, as you say, Shane, not protective enough. Right. Um, and the the whole idea that dropping in to a counselor is not a safe place or a viable place where someone could be helped is that's a real crisis for a school setting oh yeah and even the locker being decorated um you know there are there are mixed feelings about the Mm. glamorization and and the sensational piece to this this was a kid who was invisible in school and now after she dies by suicide suddenly her locker is the hot spot where you take you know a selfie and you put something up and on her locker this this would not be done in a school that 
would have a little bit more attention focused to the well-being of the mental health of the student body. Right. A school with more savvy probably wouldn't let something like that happen. You know. uh, they don't. They don't. I just did. A, I do a training. It's called a flight training in a school district for this kind of incident. But really, what they want any staff member to know is the warning signs, and they want them to be able to know how to be a compassionate presence when something happens. A very big piece of that is we don't glorify with the memorials on the locker. We instead make T-shirts and march to prevent depression, to fight suicide. That is, we invite them to do exactly what you both have been saying from the beginning, that we invite them to see this as preventable. I think you say that in your blog, Debbie, that people need to know suicide is preventable. Yeah, it is the most preventable death out there. Um, And as someone myself who struggled with suicide as a young teen, you never heal from depression or mental illness and say, gee, I'm kind of glad that, you know, uh, I I, I feel better. You, You always say, I can't believe I never felt like I could hurt myself. How did I ever feel that way? So if we look at this as illness and there are preventative warning signs and treatments out there, yeah, you know, the whole notion here, I I had read the Jay Asher book back in 2008, and Hannah dies by suicide by taking pills. It's very different than the the broadcast. And I had remember reading an interview with the author who initially said, He wanted this to be about suicide prevention, and his first revision of of the manuscript was that Hannah didn't die, that the tapes went out, she took an overdose of pills, but that she didn't die. And for whatever reason, the publisher said, you know, it would be more dramatic and, of course, maybe Mm. sell more books and be more marketable. But the whole notion here that, you know, this is preventable and there are ways to feel better Absolutely. Okay, we're going to thank you so much. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're talking about the Netflix series 13 from all perspectives. We're here with Dr. Deb Sarani, author of three books on depression, Dr. Shane Owens, an expert in suicide prevention. We want you to remember the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-TALK. The Teen Crisis Text Line, text HOLO in quotes, 741-741. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're talking about the Netflix series, 13 Reasons, with Dr. Deb Serrani and Dr. Shane Owens. Deb, we last left our listeners with the message that um, suicide is preventable. And one of the things you say very poignantly in your blog is that it was not all of those children, but the cause for Hannah's death was mental illness. Right. Uh, Again, you know, the piece that's missing from this first season was that Hannah was struggling with a mental illness. Most likely it was depression. Um, And the problem that I had was that the series and the tapes and the way that it kind of unfolds can make it feel to vulnerable viewers that others were responsible for Hannah's death. But the truth is, is that Hannah died by suicide by her choice, and it was because of a mental illness. And my, my feelings are that the second season will, will hopefully address more of these issues. Uh, it's, a, it's a way for them to kind of reach and teach the way this first season, I think, missed. So let me go right with this. I know you've been a consult on other TV series and shows. What would you hope that the show produces and the writers could somehow take into account? Well, it's very important that they have a technical advisor and that they work specifically with suicide prevention and mental health experts. The research that I've done is that they reached out to Two California psychologists, though they said they were had experience in suicide prevention, they did not. And the suggestions that were made uh, for changes happened too late in the production. So, you know, the importance of having an expert is not just to have the realism in, um, in the script and in the series, but to also make sure that the information is correct, that anything having to do with mental illness or depression or suicide is as accurate as possible, that, the, that a person addresses stigma, because there's so much that surrounds mental illness. This, again, is a preventable death. And I'm really hopeful that showrunners and producers can reach out to get the expertise and guidance from those who are experts in the field. Because we're not talking about just a television show here. We're talking about children and death and, and treatment. And that has to be a take-home message. Terrific. Um, Shane, let's talk about, we'll pick up right on that. So we have a new season that's going to come up. Tell me what, from a preventive point of view, from an informational point of view, what can parents and schools possibly do to make the viewing of this series something that's valuable and works to prevent and even possibly mitigate some of the problems that young people suffer from? Well, I think first of all, a good idea would be for schools to host events around the first season and use the talking points that the National Association of School Psychologists and the Jed Foundation have put out to to run those events. It, the first season exists; it will exist forever. We don't know what the second season is going to be about, and and whether they will use technical advisors or release any of the details ahead of time. But we can build on the first 
season by having parents and teachers and, and students view it together or at least talk about it, set up events talking about it. But more important than that is just as going back to your comments about school environment, just having school environments that are preventative. People that someone can go to when there is a problem. When I do my trainings for school districts, one of the things that I say is that every student in the school should have an adult that they trust. Somebody that they can go to and talk to when things are out of control or difficult or or something that they might not necessarily want to speak openly about, but somebody that trust that they can trust will listen to them about. And I, I think that that is probably the most important thing that can happen. And parents should know when the next season is coming out so that they can be prepared for some of the questions that are coming, and school districts should as well. Every day I see a new news story about a school district happening on this series and sending out a letter to parents and, and families about the existence of the series. I saw another one this morning. The series has been around for many weeks now. So we should be proactive in terms of our response to it. Oh, it's terrific, terrific advice. I love your idea, too. It, this is a little bit of what we've done and I've done in the trainings. It hardly matters who that particular person is that is a safe contact for a young person in a school. Because sometimes it's the cafeteria lady and sometimes right. it's the secretary in the guidance office and sometimes right. it's um, the coach's assistant. But that whole idea and the idea of a young person taking their friend, if their friend doesn't have a safe person, to that person as a first step can be life-saving. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. if that person is employed by the school, that person is trustworthy to parents and to administrators and therefore can be a trusted adult. It's a very important point that it might not be a teacher or a guidance counselor. It might be a groundskeeper or a janitor right. or a lunch lady. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Now, Before we go further, I wanted to ask both of you to let our listeners know, Debbie, how would people find you, your books, all that you've written? How could people find you online? Well, I think the best way, simply speaking, would be to connect to my website, which is drdebrasarani.com, and that'll lead you to my books, my social media, my psychology today, yada, 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 all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, a very good website to go to. And how about you, Shane? Uh, again, my my website is probably the best, drshaneowens.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at drshaneowens. Okay. Now, both of you, I knew that both of you were very expert in the areas of teen suicide prevention, depression, etc. Um, and you both, the material in this series prompted both of you to write blogs and I know that people can access them, I'm assuming, through your sites. Um, But really, what was it that got you to respond to the series? And what is the take-home message that each of you would want to pass on to our listeners, be they teenagers, school personnel, or parents? Deb? Uh, Well, what what really captured me first was the sensationalism in the series, and I felt very compelled to, to kind of offer an alternative view and alternative facts uh, to, to help vulnerable viewers or parents or teachers who were concerned about this series. Uh, as someone who specializes in depression, I know that it's upwards of about 90% of the time uh, individuals who get treatment for depression can feel better. So my take-home message would be that suicide is a preventable death, uh, and if you're thinking in any way or have any feelings or urges, that it would be important to, to share it with someone and talk to someone because you can feel better and it's not as negative and hopeless as you think it is. Great. Thank you. How about you, Shane? What drew you to write a blog about this and to um, put, put your own concern out there. 
Um, a couple of things. First of all, the, my blog appears at shrinktank.com, which is a great site that talks about pop culture and psychology and the nexus of the two and how they relate to one another. Great. For me, what drew me to watch the series, which I didn't want to do in the first place, but I felt I needed to because of the population I deal with, but also everybody's reaction to it seemed so different from parents to kids to professionals. They all felt differently or saw different things in it. So I I felt I really needed to watch it through a second time to see that. As far as takeaway message is concerned... As soon as you think that there might be a problem, as soon as you ask yourself, is, do I have to talk to somebody about this? Or as soon as you have, see something in a friend of yours that says, do I need to talk to somebody about this? Go and do it. As soon as the problem arises and as soon as you ask the question, talk to somebody else. Terrific. You know, I want to thank both of you so much for your work in this field, for what you've written, and for coming on the show. I think what you offered our listeners today was a real look at all sides of this Netflix series, and you really started the dialogue that perhaps will allow parents, teens, school personnel to start utilizing and hopefully even the producers, this series which captured so much attention as a real vehicle for identifying pain and keeping young people out of harm's way. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you, Sue, for inviting inviting me. Thanks for having me. Sure. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, on the podcast app of your iPhone under Psych Up Live, Voice America. It'll be on both um, Debbie and Shane's sites. This will be a podcast by 5 o'clock tonight, and at that point, you can pass it on and use it as a reference. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. But mostly, until next week, please take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 